Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about a man who was betrayed by Burger King. And I'll be talking about John DuPont. That felt weird. I love it. Okay. Where are you at with that? I think I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to a writer's conference this weekend yeah. in Kansas City. It was not a great conference, <laughs> but... It did get me thinking more seriously about like, oh, they did the whole thing of like, you are a brand. You need to pay attention to your social media. And like, I know, I know mm-hmm. I, sh- I shouldn't be, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be making these faces or these noises because I know you have to do all that. But it did get me thinking again, like a lot of people were talking about their pen names. Mm-hmm. Why are you looking at me like that? Because I mean, I feel like this is all conversations that we've already had, Kristen. Yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm bored by me too. <laughs> I don't know why I've been so hesitant because Kristen Caruso will clearly sell more books than Kristen Pitts. And, and clear- it sounds amazing. It's a beautiful it name. It is a beautiful name. I mean, you can't buy that name, and yet I married into it. Yes. So I think from here on out. Kristen Caruso? Kristen Caruso. I love it. I don't know if I'll legally change my name. That's fine. But that's for another day. Yeah. At the DMV. That's right. <laughs> So there we are. I like it. Thank you. I'm really pleased with this direction you're taking in your life, Kristen. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're right. We've already discussed it. I'm finally, I'm here now. Diving in. Finally diving in. With both feet. Or am I? Or will this all get cut? Who knows? Because we've done this before. We have done this we've before. Recorded. We've recorded yes. almost this exact same conversation before. Yes. <laughs> Oh, on the cutting room floor. (laughs) Can you guys believe shit gets cut out of these episodes? (laughs) Seems impossible. Seems. Okay, so I need to start with an apology to the listeners. Oh, no. I just... My case this week. It's going to be great. Well... Stop. Let's let's hold on before we make that assumption. (laughs) So I I do just want to say... I had this two-part series ready to go. And not a two-part as in like a cliffhanger, but Mm -hmm. it's like, and maybe some people will be able to guess what series I have planned by this. But the first episode was going to be about a lifelong child molester. Mm -hmm. And the second one, which was linked, was going to be about a lifelong serial killer. Mm. It may surprise you to know that I got very bummed out. Yeah, no shit. That is so not your thing. It was very depressing. It's all very interesting. Yeah. And I'm going to do it at some point. Yeah. But then I had that writer's conference. Yeah. And then we... Oh, are you uh, going to? I'm going to tell. You got to spill the beans. So <laughs> anyone who listened to our April Fool's episode heard that we got a new house. I wouldn't. We had the inspection and the place the was a shit, shit show. show. It was terrible. Oh, it just sucked. Kristen, yes. look into my eyes. Yeah. The perfect house is out there. You will find it. It'll be better. It'll be cuter. 
You will love it more than that house. I promise. I don't believe you. (laughs) (laughs) That inspection was so sad. It was so sad. Like the inspector was taking us through stuff and like he started with the garage and it was basically like, hey, you know, this garage looks okay, but in reality, a strong wind will collapse. And and I was kind of like, ooh, oh boy. That's not great, but maybe we can work something out. And then he just added thing after thing after thing until we got upstairs to the master bedroom. And he pointed out that when you jump in a certain area, the floor jumps with you. Great. Um, That's not what you want. Apparently not. No. (laughs) (laughs) So Norman and I backed out of that house. That's all right. The search is back on. Yes. The perfect house awaits. And I realized that. Well, I realized yesterday as I was getting bummed out. So first of all, I was going to do the child molester case, then the serial killer case. I was like, that's too depressing. So then I started to look into why I did this. I don't know. Diane Downs. Oh, God. Yes. (laughs) And I had that halfway written up. Yeah. But then I was like, okay, I can't. how many episodes have you half written? I have a shit ton of a half bunch. written episodes yeah, a where whole I'm like, bunch. nope, I'm jumping ship on this. Yeah, because <laughs> it's, and I don't know why, but it's like, how did I not know that Diane Downs, by the way, for anybody who doesn't know, she shot her three children and blamed it on a bushy haired stranger. Yes. And so I was halfway through doing that, and then I started finding all this stuff about like, her past and you know me i like my bad guys to be bad guys my good guys to Uh be good guys i don't want to hear that the bad guys were molested when they were kids i just don't like so i abandoned ship Mm -hmm. this is the longest intro we've ever done and i'm so sorry to everyone it's fine this is a long way of saying i have a case this week it's very lighthearted, very short Because I just couldn't handle anything else. Thank you, Kristen. Okay. We appreciate your your lighthearted fare. All right. Although, you know, you might hear this and think that this is really tragic and gross. (laughs) 50-year-old Curtis Bruner loved Burger King. Mm. What do you get at Burger King? Uh, I don't like Burger King at all. I don't like Burger King either. You don't? No. Yeah, I'm not into it. I'm not into it either. Norman, big fan. Um... I don't mind their breakfast. Croissant witch, pretty good. See, I I don't know that I've ever just gone to a Burger King on my own thing. Like, it would be yeah. a pure desperation move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, if there's a Burger King, there's also, like, a McDonald's and a Taco Bell Exactly. There, and you're going to get one of those And I'm for yeah. sure going to Taco, Taco Bell. Taco Bell, yes. Do you like McDonald's? Yeah. I mean, there was that time that McDonald's poisoned me <laughs> with their iced tea. Oh, yeah, I think I heard something about that. Like, Bed Bath & Beyond was involved. <laughs> Should I tell that story? <laughs> That's up to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm going to tell that story. Remind me, and I'll tell it while I'm telling this. Because okay. Because it's, you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Curtis dined at Burger King almost every day. Why? Because it was delicious. Mm-hmm. And because it was convenient, he'd get on the highway. Because it was super healthy. (laughs) (laughs) He'd get on the highway headed for work and he could stop at the exit right before work and find himself at a delicious Burger King restaurant. Mm. Why is he going to Burger King before he goes to work? 
Um, maybe he likes the croissant witch. Oh, you're probably right. Are you serious? <laughs> you're like, the only thing I like is the breakfast. What are other people doing here? <laughs> I thought it was my own private breakfast. <laughs> so it's no surprise that on December 15th, 2018, Curtis was at the Burger King restaurant located at... Okay, wait, wait. I can't believe I'm going to do this because it's just a Burger King. I'm but- ready. 2555 Northeast 238th Drive in Wood Village, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hold Got on. It. It's uh coming very slowly. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm seeing it. It's just that a burger looks king. Looks like a burger king. <laughs> so glad we took the time to look it up. He went up to the counter, ordered his meal, he ate, and before he left the restaurant. He ducked into the restroom. It was one of those big single stall bathrooms. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it was a Burger King bathroom. So it was gross. Yeah. The place smelled terrible. But, you know, when you got to go, you got to go. That's right. Curtis used the restroom, washed his hands, and went for the door. It wouldn't open. (gasps) He got trapped in a Burger King bathroom? (laughs) He tried again. Nothing. He tried again. Nothing. The lock was jammed. He was trapped inside a Burger King bathroom. No! (laughs) Curtis wasn't sure what to do. A pound on the door? I'm sure he did some of that. Yeah. But... He realized he had his cell phone on him, and he had his receipt from his meal. Oh, yeah. Good so call. So he pulled out the receipt, dialed the number on it, and pretty soon, one of the workers picked up. He explained the situation. He said, I'm trapped in the bathroom. You got to get me out of here. Pretty soon, the BK employees were on the other side of the door, trying to get Curtis out of his dire situation. They tried pushing while he pulled nothing they were like maybe you need something to like wiggle the lock so they pushed him a hard plastic edged card under the door which i'm like okay is it a credit credit card card? like why can't we just (laughs) say that (laughs) you know they yelled to him that didn't work then oh yelling to him didn't well they yelled to him like instructions (laughs) okay okay they thought they were yelling and yelling curtis but it's just not opening (laughs) You know, Brandy, the pen is mightier than the sword. (laughs) Then they pushed a fly swatter under the door. He was going to swat his way out? So they told him to squeeze it through the door in the door frame. And maybe that would, like, unjam the lock. Uh But here's the thing. When he did that, he cut his hand. And so there he was bleeding and trapped in the Burger King. Oh, my gosh. He later said, it's the kind of place where you hold your breath. Go in and get out of there as fast as you can. That wasn't an option for me. (laughs) (laughs) Minutes ticked by. Finally, the Burger King employees called a locksmith. Curtis wanted to get the hell out of that bathroom. But at the same time, he was very embarrassed. He could hear the Burger King employees and the other customers outside the bathroom door laughing at him. (laughs) (laughs) But what's there to be embarrassed about? Like, is that... You're just in the bathroom, buddy. 
Well, but you know, you're locked in there. You're trying to get out, and everyone on the other side is laughing at you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wouldn't feel great. You're no, right. No, you're right. Yeah, let's trap you in a Burger King bathroom. Please, see no. How you hold up. Oh my gosh. We'll, we'll shove a Chris sandwich under the door. <laughs> And I'll shout things to you. Just like words of encouragement. You can do it. Eat the croissant. I believe in you. Here's a hard edge plastic card. <laughs> Curtis said, the cleanliness of the place was less than desirable. Highway bums use it as a changing room. It's not a pleasant smelling place. Being locked in there for over an hour... You smell like that when you come out. I bet you do. I bet you burn your clothes. (laughs) After about an hour of captivity, (laughs) the locksmith showed up and Curtis was freed. He didn't immediately leave the BK. He was pretty... What? He just hung out for a while? Yeah. I was like, what can I get out of this? Well, I need a whopper for my pain and suffering. Well, hang on. Hang on. So he said that he was like too shaken up. The whole thing was too traumatizing. So he just needed like a minute to just kind of. And three whoppers. (laughs) He was too shaken up to drive, Brandy. Okay. So the employees seemed to feel pretty bad for the guy. They gave him a bandage and some ointment for the cut. And Curtis said that a manager told him, hey, from now on. You can eat here for free. Forever? For the rest of forever? I mean, that's kind of how that sounds, right? Uh, what do you yeah. think? What do you think? I mean, you're you're in customer service. You've been in there for a long time. Someone gets stuck in your bathroom for over an hour. What do you do? <laughs> well, my bathroom is clean. It smells nice. Uh-huh. So. Let's say let's say let's say it wasn't so clean. <laughs> Let's say it was more the Burger, uh, Burger King bathroom. Yeah, no, you'd have to set some kind of limit to it. It's just not indefinite. Right. Yeah. Right, because that could be crazy. Yes, because he's going to try and come there every day for three meals a day for the rest of his life, which... Never mind, I'm not going to finish that. Uh, no, go ahead. Which... How long do you live when exactly you eat? <laughs> if you're eating three meals a day at Burger King. <laughs> They could be like, joke's on you, buddy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the manager was really nice about it. He says she told him, we understand it's a terrible situation and we want to make it up to you. He was like, excellent. Yeah. I'm loving it. Wrong restaurant. <laughs> so just as Brandy might have predicted, mm-hmm. Curtis ate at Burger King every day for the next 13 days. Uh-huh. With the exception of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> On two occasions, he ate his breakfast and his dinner mm-hmm. there. Just as I suspected. Uh-huh. He's milking it for... Which, by the way, if you were that embarrassed... Yeah, you wouldn't be doing that. No, you wouldn't yeah. be showing back up. No. I think if I got trapped in a Burger King bathroom, I would not go back again. I think I've heard that R. Kelly song. Ew. No, you're thinking of... No, you're thinking of that one song. I once got busy in a Burger King... No, yeah. I once got nasty in a Burger King bathroom, right? I once got... Crazy. Allow me to amaze me. They say I'm ugly, but it just don't faze me. <laughs> I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I like that is the Humpty dance for anybody who's wondering. (laughs) And also, just a note, 
the Humpty Dance is your chance <laughs> to, do <the laughs> to do the hump. The Humpty Hump. <laughs> Watch me do the hump. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I like to picture in one group, like the people who know that song mm-hmm. and we're enjoying that. And then yes. the, the people who have no idea what we're talking about and are horrified. Yes. Yeah. It's a song. Do you want to break that down percentage wise? That would be really interesting. It would be really interesting. I mean, I think it all depends on people's age. Yeah. If you're like our age yeah. and older, you know, you the, know humpty the humpty hump. hump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the song. You know, what are you do in your personal time, that's on you. <laughs> what you do in a Burger King bathroom. <laughs> it's none of our concern. So, like I said, he's like killing the burgers at Burger King yeah. for like 13 days. Except for on Jesus's birthday. <laughs> he rested. Yeah. <laughs> but when he went to Burger King on December 28th, expecting another free meal. Yeah, the manager was like, you've reached your limit. <laughs> Sort of, yeah. Yeah. They told him no. They said that district management had put their foot down and he wasn't allowed to have free meals anymore. How do you think he took the news? Not not well. I'm guessing Mm -hmm. that he said, let's go to court. (laughs) Not just yet. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Too soon. Too soon. Excuse me. Premature. (laughs) Premature. Let's go to courting. Curtis was outraged. He'd suffered a great deal in that bathroom, and he'd been offered free meals for life, and that's exactly what he wanted. So he stomped his foot, and he said, You know what? Let's go to court! <laughs> How are you not winning? I totally missed it! <laughs> because what Burger King... I was picturing him stomping his foot in a Burger I, King. Yeah, and you know what? He didn't even do that, to my knowledge. <laughs> that was just added for fun. Mm-hmm. What Burger King had done was very reckless. The bathroom door showed signs of distress. So clearly... From him? (laughs) Trying to gnaw his way out. So he claims that there were signs of distress on that bathroom door before. Mm -hmm. And so clearly people had been locked in there before. They tried to get out. What? (laughs) All right. Here's what he said. Mm. They created an unsafe environment. Someone could have had a medical situation. You could have had a fatality. You could have had a child locked in there. Someone elderly. They're lucky it was me. Curtis sued Burger King. For? Well, what do you think is reasonable? Oh, um... What do I think is reasonable, or what do I think he sued them for? Let's do both. Let's do, And hang on, because I need some chapstick. I do really like your outfit today. It's very cute. Thank you. Man, I thought I would get no compliments after the way you recoiled when Norman complimented me. <laughs> I wasn't, it wasn't his compliment. It was the hand gestures that went along with it. What were his hand gestures? It wasn't really more of a gesture than a touch, but I felt very uncomfortable. <laughs> Brandy was like, you guys know I'm here, right? right. Like, you guys had, like, just, like, unbroken eye contact at the time. Like, excuse me. I'm over here. Brandy, what can I say? I'm very desirable in my blue button-up top. It's working for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
sorry, listeners, you just missed out on some serious chest chest thumping. popping. Yeah, popping. That's right. It's not yeah, thumping. It's not, not thumping. Thump. You're anything. not thumping anything. Okay. You're, anyway, back to the case. Okay. Sorry. What do you um, think? Is, okay. Reasonable. Zero dollars. What? Uh, well, hold on. <laughs> Unpack that. Why zero dollars? He. They didn't know that the bathroom door wasn't working. He can't prove that they did know that. So. He was in there for an hour. They gave him some free food. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Wow. Harsh. What do I think he sued them for? Yeah. For pain and suffering. $25 million. Oh. Let's see, shall we? Okay. So, he sues Burger King, and he sought a court order that would require Burger King to go back to their original agreement so he a wanted free food forever. Yes, yes. So he wanted oh the court gosh. to order Burger King free food forever for this man. But if the court would not do that, Curtis had a formula that he thought was fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Curtis is 50 years old. Uh huh. And if he eats Burger King three days a week <laughs> or three times a day, seven days a week, he will live to be 54 years old. <laughs> so. <laughs> I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when he talked to this lawyer because, you know, Curtis was going like every day, multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. But his lawyer said, like, worked with him on this formula. So he's 50 years old. A Burger King Whopper meal costs Mm -hmm. Mm $7.89. Assuming that he lives to be 72 years of age Mm -hmm. and consumes one Whopper meal for the rest of his life, that would amount to $9,000. Twenty six dollars and sixteen cents. Mm. So he's going to actual damages here. Oh yeah. All right. There's been some damage. <laughs> Curtis's lawyer Michael Fuller said they arrived at that formula by figuring that since Curtis eats so many cheeseburgers, he probably won't live to the average lifespan of seventy seven. Oh so- <laughs> so Curtis's position was either force Burger King to give me free food for life. Or make them pay me $9,026. And by the way, if Burger King refuses to honor our original agreement, or if they try to say that our original agreement wasn't legally enforceable, guess what? What? Then we'll start talking negligence. We'll start talking about how Burger King failed to maintain its premises in a safe and suitable condition. And we'll get into all that stuff, and we'll do it in front of a jury. And then we'll talk about punitive damages. To mm-hmm. McCollin. To McCollin. So for what it's worth. Do you want to talk about your colon? <laughs> is this the part where we talk about McDonald's? I think it is. Okay. I mean, you said damages to his colon. So. And I, I did suffer some damages that day. Did I miss my opportunity to sue? I think, I think you I might have. Okay, and I'm sorry if you if you don't like gross stories, then you're gonna have you to skip hit ahead. that. Yeah, hit that thirty second forward button a couple times. Couple times. <laughs> so, when I first moved down to North Carolina, I was dating this guy in New Bern, North Carolina, which is my favorite place I've ever been on vacation. I did not go to the McDonald's there, though. <laughs> it shows because if you had, you might have different feelings. So I was dating this guy in New Bern. And I lived in Elizabeth City, which was like two and a half hours away. And what I would do is every time I was leaving his place, I would stop at the McDonald's. 
I would get a large unsweetened iced tea and a coffee for the road. Yes. Take off down the road. This okay. is not important, but I'm going to clarify that it was my favorite vacation as a kid. Favorite adult vacation, Colorado. Continue. <laughs> I take off down the road and I notice almost immediately that the tea tastes weird. Mm hmm. <laughs> Do I stop drinking it? No. No, of course not. (laughs) I've paid for this tea, and I'm going to drink it. Keep drinking it. And and it's it's weird. I can't even describe how it tasted. Mm -hmm. Just that, just that, like, if I were to taste it now, I would know. You would recognize that taste. It's almost like a moldy taste. Yep. Okay. So I'm cruising on down the road. Peanuts in the passenger seat. She's a puppy at this point. And there's there's this spot between Newburn and Elizabeth City where, like, you're looking at a good hour-long stretch where there's just nothing. Mm-hmm. There's no gas stations. There's nowhere to pull over. Mm-hmm. And so I'm starting to feel a little rumbly in my <laughs> tummy. Um, and I, I get to the last gas station. I'm like, I, I'd better go in and use the restroom. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, again... Sharing way too much. I do not like to number two in public <laughs> restrooms. Does anybody? I am a home pooper. Uh, yes. I am an at-home pooper. So Nobody's I, like looking forward to going number two at a gas station. Um, a lot of people seem to have no qualms about it. <laughs> I have many qualms. <laughs> so I pull into this gas station. I get in there. And it's one of these places where like... You have to ask for the key, mm-hmm. which is fucking gross. Yeah. As if I want to touch some key yeah. that everyone else has touched who went into that nasty mm-hmm. bathroom. I go into that bathroom. Was it like an outdoor access bathroom? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It was nasty. It was nasty. And I decided, you know what? I can make it an hour. I'm too good for this. <laughs> I'm not going to the bathroom in here. I'm holding it. No way am I going in here. Uh-huh. So I... Famous last words. <laughs> I brought the key back up to the counter, said goodbye, used the hand sanitizer. I was going to say slathered your body with hand sanitizer. Went back down the road. I, I kid you not. I was on the road maybe 10 minutes when I was like... This is, this is not a drill. This is happening. This is not a drill. I should have gone in the disgusting bathroom. And I realized, oh my God, I am, I'm about to poop myself. Like I, am, I can't stop it. There's nothing I can do. I'm about to poop myself. And I'm like starting to wrap my head around like what is happening to me right now. And I noticed up ahead on the highway, you know, it's just like a, the thing about the highway I was on was like, there are trees surrounding it, but like, it's a long way to get to those trees. So it's almost like this valley of grass. Yep. And I knew that's too far. I like, I I don't have it in me to run to the trees. (laughs) 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 And then I saw a head and there was like, I don't know, like a probation cleanup crew guys in orange jumpsuits or whatever who were cleaning the road. And I was like, oh, my God, well, I can't stop in front of these guys. So I pull off to the side of the road and I immediately have a game plan. 
I roll down the window. I take the McDonald's iced tea. It was a large, so it was huge. <laughs> I throw that out of the car, keep the cup, obviously. Mm, obviously. And then pull down my pants. I'm still in the driver's side. <laughs> and then I lift myself <laughs> and shove the cup under my butt. But here's the thing. The McDonald's large iced tea is a huge cup. It's a massive cup. And so in order to get my butt high enough, what I had to do was like, I realized my vagina was completely visible to oncoming traffic. So immediately I was like, oh my God, this this is not going to work. And so I start frantically looking around the car. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And the time is a ticket, you know, like there's, I've got no time. Code Brown coming any second. So then I spot a bed, bath and beyond bag in the backseat of the car and I just empty it and I just go into the bed, bath and beyond bag. (laughs) And Peanut was very alarmed, right? And so... Well, what's funny was that, like, Peanut was still a puppy at this time. And growing up, we had a dog who, like, loved to roll and shit and stuff. And so I didn't think Peanut would be so alarmed. Peanut cried the whole way home. And I, like, again, there was no nothing to do with this bag of shit because I didn't want to, like, throw it out the window. Well, that road crew would have picked it up. And I don't, you know, th- those guys are probably just there on drug charges. I don't want to do that to them. So we drove all the way back to Elizabeth City <laughs> with a with bag full of shit. And that's the story of when McDonald's tried to poison me. Um I missed my chance to sue them. And I was too snobby to use the restroom. So because I was too good for that restroom, I pooped in a bag in my car. <laughs> Um, let's see. Oh my gosh. Oh, I remember what I was going to tell you. So, you know, like that that tea tasted bizarre. Yeah. Fast forward. So that was like 10 years ago yeah. that, that happened to me. So then like last year or the year before, Norman and I went to like some county fair thing. Yeah. And I got a glass of iced tea. It tasted like it. So I never I never complain yeah. in a restaurant. I never ask for anything to go back. I never do that. But I took one sip of that tea and I marched back through, cut the line. And I was like, excuse me, I think I'd like a bottle of water instead because I knew. Drink that tea, you're going to shit your pants. I'm not going to poop my pants at the <laughs> county fair. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. Thank you for sharing that story with our listeners. You know, my favorite memory is the first time I told you that story. It was I thought you were going to die. <laughs> I almost did. Well, uh, luckily, there's not much left to this story. Uh, So what happened to Curtis? Yeah. So Burger King obviously denied any liability. Uh, Yeah, of course. Uh, But not long after he filed his lawsuit, they reached out to him. They wanted to settle. They offered him $9,026.16. Did he take it? Yeah. Okay, good. So his lawyer said, Burger King did the right thing. 
They could have dragged this out for years, and we're glad they didn't. Curtis still likes Burger King. He just doesn't go to their bathroom anymore. <laughs> um, I wrote this down as a fun fact. It's not a fun fact, but I felt like just mentioning it. Okay. Uh, Curtis is a registered sex offender. Oh, yeah. That's not really a fun fact. No, it's not. <laughs> um, you know what? What is kind of funny? I threw that in there thinking it would come up earlier because maybe we'd feel guilty about laughing about him being trapped in a bathroom. And so I was going to, you know, be like, eh, hey, you know, he's a sex yeah. offender. Um, but anyway. No, I didn't yeah. actually feel bad for him ever. <laughs> 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 Served six and a half years in prison. Wow. Huh. You know, I realize I did not tell a relevant bathroom Burger King story. I you do have one, and I asked permission from Norman to tell it, and he gave it to you. Yeah, yeah. please tell us. <laughs> so, it was family vacation, and we'd all driven out to Minnesota, and it was just myself, Norman, and my brother-in-law Jay in the car, mm-hmm. and we're you know we're just kind of talking, doing random questions, whatever, to pass the time, and all of a sudden. <laughs> Without giving any explanation whatsoever, Norm pulls off on some exit. Mm -hmm. And so Jay and I were like, what's going on? And he's just like not answering (laughs) at all. He whips into a Burger King and like the car was barely stopped. Like he he was unbuckling his seatbelt as he was pulling into the parking spot, got parked spilled out of the car and ran into the Burger King. And Jay and I were just sitting there like, what just happened? Like five seconds ago, we were on the highway. And now we're like, you know, barely stopped at the Burger King. Okay, well. So for some context, the night before, uh, we'd gone out for burgers. And let me tell you how you'll know whether Norman will order a burger. If it looks like it's going to blow your colon out, he will order he will it. If it's got jalapenos it. on it, yeah. pepper jack cheese, like all kinds of that stuff. So he ordered that kind of burger the yeah. night before. <laughs> then we just stopped for lunch like an hour before. He ordered another one of those burgers. So we got two in his system. When Norman came back out to the car, <laughs> he explained to us... That he'd had a bur- he'd had a bathroom emergency, and then we realized he had ripped his pants getting out of the car. He had this huge hole in the side of his pants. Toilet humor is in yours because I feel like I. There's zero. <laughs> well, damn, someone didn't stay on theme. I didn't know this was the shit themed episode. Mm. I must have missed that memo. Well, I did tell you I had a shitty case. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was excellent, and I don't feel bad for Curtis at all. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, like, I do feel bad for anyone who gets trapped in a Burger King. Yeah, but you don't like that. sue for that. No, no. I mean, you got you got how many meals out of that? Get yeah. over it. Let's calm down, Curtis.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you ready to talk about John DuPont? Who the hell is that? Have you seen the movie Foxcatcher? You know I haven't. Okay. Well, this is the true story of Foxcatcher, which has your dude in it, My Channing dude. Tatum. You love. <laughs> well, speaking of Channing Tatum, have you seen his new look? No. What'd he do? He went like all slim shady. He dyed his hair like oh, platinum blonde. Are you making this up? No, now? it's Let real. Me Google him. Oh, no. Channing Tatum. Oh, my. Yeah, don't like it. What should I be Googling? Channing Tatum Blonde. Okay. Oh, no. 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 Are you looking at this picture? Oh, no. 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 Is this for some It's got to be for movie? a role or something, yeah, right? Yeah, it's got to. Yikes. Ugh. Ugh. I don't care for it. I can't believe you didn't consult me. Anyway, it's been a minute since I've seen Foxcatcher, but if I recall, I think he has frosted tips in it. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> do you remember the days oh, of the frosted do tips? I? <laughs> so this story takes place in the early 2000s, obviously. Mm, does it? Uh, yeah, if they had frosted tips. Frosted tips date way, way back further than that. Really? Yeah. Like early, like 90s. Like mid 90s. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like Zach Morris. He was pretty beautiful. <laughs> he was no AC Slater. Uh, oh, come on. That that Jerry Cole Jerry Curl mullet? Come on. Did you see the rest of him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not into like the the bag of meat like you are. <laughs> <laughs> Sack of meat. No, God, no, cut that. Oh, God. oh, Lord. Anyway, I would like to start this up by giving a shout out mm. to uh, Dominic on Instagram for suggesting this case. Okay. Dominic, you had no idea what you were getting into on what episode you were going to be mentioned <laughs> on. Poor guy. <laughs> John DuPont was a weird fucking kid. But as an heir to the DuPont fortune, he had everything. Everything except for friends, that is. Born November 22nd, 1938, John DuPont was American royalty as a member of the family behind the DuPont Chemical Company. His family raised thoroughbred horses on their 800-acre farm in Newton Square, Pennsylvania. I believe it's spelled Newtown, but I believe it's pronounced Newton. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I mean, They're it's so tricky it's, up there. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
He loved wandering the grounds of their property, obsessing over birds and wildlife. It was one of his only joys of an isolated childhood. Inside the mansion, John DuPont was an incredibly lonely child. His father was rarely at home. I believe he even left by the time he was like three or four. He left his um, John's mother for some tennis star. Oh. Yeah. And then he had siblings, but they were much older than him. They were grown and out of the house by the time Mm -hmm. um, John reached his childhood. And they barely acknowledged that he was in existence. Did he not have like other rich kid friends to hang out with? Yeah. No. No. Okay. The only friend he thought he had was the son of his chauffeur. And he would later find out that his mom had been paying him to pretend he liked him. Oh, God. Yeah, really rough. Really rough. Brandy, it's at this point that I should probably confess to you. (laughs) My mom's been paying you this whole time? Yes. (laughs) That's got it really racked up over the years. I'm doing quite well. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But for what it's worth... John was pretty self-sufficient because he was fucking weird and he didn't really care that much that other kids didn't like him. I mean, obviously it bothered him to some degree, but he was very eccentric and managed to find his own fun. And by no fault of his own, he was also super fucking weird looking. He had these yellow teeth and these beady eyes and an odd nose and he walked in kind of an odd hunched over stance. So no friends. Creepy looking. And so he, of course, did what any guy matching that description does. Makeover montage. No. no. <laughs> he came super uncomfortably close with his mother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was really pulling for the makeover. Despite his strange relationship with his mother, he went on to earn a doctorate in natural sciences and founded the Delaware Museum of Natural History. But still desperate for a sense of value in his life, John turned to wrestling. He was super (gasps) successful, intellectually speaking. Oh, Oh, do you know who he is now? Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, He was super successful, intellectually speaking, but it wasn't enough for John. He longed to be an athlete. So I believe sometime like in the early 70s, mid 70s, he tried out to be on the United States Olympic pentathlon team. Mm -hmm. Pentathlon is made up of fencing, equestrian show jumping, freestyle swimming, cross-country running, and pistol shooting. Weirdest fucking event I've ever heard of. I was going to say, that's quite the combination. Yes. Super fucking weird event. Definitely, uh, I feel like, catered towards rich people. Oh, you think? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can can just anyone try out for the Olympics? I don't think so. I imagine there's like, you know, stepping stones that you have to complete. You have to do a qualifier and then you have to get to the next level. Okay, so he wasn't just like some weirdo who's like, no, I'm an athlete now. No, no, no. And I believe he made it pretty far in the process. But he did not go on to compete at the Olympics. Gotcha. And... So he turned his focus to wrestling. Here's a fun fact. Fun fact, like he was a (laughs) sex offender the whole time or like Um, a real fun fact? Closer to yours. (laughs) (laughs) 
John had been involved in a pretty terrible horse back riding accident when he was a child. Okay. The nature of it is not completely known, but what is known is that he sustained some kind of injury to his testicles. Oh, no. They became very infected. Oh, God. And were eventually removed. Oh, no. Yes. And so part of his infatuation with becoming an athlete Mm -hmm. was needing to feel masculine, something that he didn't have because of that childhood accident yeah (sighs) the faces you're making right now it's rough yeah that's really rough can you imagine what infected balls look like i mean i am now thank you (laughs) (laughs) um because of this accident he was actually not allowed to play any kind of contact sports or anything when he was a kid. Well, why not? He'd already lost his balls. I, I mean, what's going <laughs> to what happen? What else is going to happen? I don't know. I don't know if it was like a rule of his parents or if it was like something the doctor said. I don't know. But that just made this infatuation with athletes and sports just grow and grow and grow. I want to know so much more. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, continue. Um, So in 1985, he opened a 14,000 square foot training center on his family's estate that he had renamed to Foxcatcher Farms. Mm -hmm. He poured himself into wrestling. He brought in all kinds of athletes. He became associated with the United States wrestling team. He poured over $3 million into supporting the United States wrestling team. He made everybody who came to this, like, combine camp, whatever of his, call him coach, Mm -hmm. though he had very little to do with the actual coaching. Well, I mean, if you're going to pour that much money into it, I think you can be called coach, Yeah, for sure. For sure. He had really yearned for this, like, approval in the sports world. And so he took what he knew, money. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And carried that over to sports. And the the wrestling community welcomed him with open arms. Yeah. I mean, you sh- throw $3 million at someone, like... They're going to be pretty friendly about it. Yes, yeah, I would exactly. So. But he had this vision for Team Foxcatcher. He wanted to get a couple of really well-known Olympic wrestlers in there to kind of run the show. Mm -hmm. So David Schultz was John's second choice for the face of Team Foxcatcher. At first, he'd hired Dave's brother, Mark, who was an Olympic gold medalist, but Mark didn't last very long in the position. He grew very tired and frustrated of the way John treated him. He felt like he was a toy that John had purchased for a $70,000 salary. 70, mm. yeah. Yeah. And so... Well, yeah, I mean, John didn't really have social skills, he right? Had All no he had no social was skills. Okay. Yes. And so initially he had brought in Mark. He um, was letting him kind of shape the program and lead it. Mm-hmm. And then also... So this this relationship here between Mark and John is kind of the focus of the movie Foxcatcher. Yeah. And... He treated Mark a lot like he was like a pet of his. He paid him. He kind of got to do 
what he wanted. The movie hints at a lot of like homosexual undertones, uh-huh. which Mark claims is not true. Okay. But at the very least. Wait, consensual or non-consensual? Consensual. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But um, nonetheless, Mark nonetheless, Mark denies okay. it, says that that's not the case at all, but said very much that he felt like a piece of property to sure to John yeah. Dupont. And so eventually he backs away from it. He gets in like there's a lot of drinking and drugs going on at this compound, including from John Dupont. He had a lot of problems with alcohol and drugs. Mm-hmm. And so so Mark takes kind of a step back. And an in comes Dave. Dave is Mark's older brother. So Mark and Dave were the only two brothers in sports history to win freestyle wrestling medals in the Olympic Games and the World Championships. Dave won in 1983 and Mark won in 1985. They both men were honored by then President Ronald Reagan. Um, they were kind of like national heroes in the wrestling world. Like they were big deal yeah, people. Sure. But despite being a seven time world Olympic medalist, Dave was like a super nice guy. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't like he didn't think he was amazing. Like he thought he was a great athlete, but he did was very humble. He was super humble. Okay. Yes. A friend and fellow athlete said named Kevin Jackson said there was no one else who carried himself like Dave. He was an ambassador for the sport, a one of a kind someone and someone a lot of people called a friend. So Dave had not had a super easy life. He was always a big kid, like which Mm -hmm. made him perfectly suited for wrestling and he suffered from dyslexia. So he had been teased a lot and It's believed that that is why he kind of latched on to John DuPont so well, because they immediately had a really easy relationship. Okay. They both understood what it felt like to be outsiders. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And Mark had warned Dave that it would be really hard to work for John DuPont, that he hadn't been able to do it. And he warned him what he was getting into and said there was going to be difficulty, but he... Mark, I mean, I'm sorry, Dave knew how to talk to John. He communicated well with him. He knew how to handle him because he understood him. Okay, yeah. Dave Schultz turned out to be kind of a godsend for Foxcatcher Farm. He definitely got the the wrestling program back under control. Things have kind of had kind of crumbled when things fell apart with Mark. And he got John under control. In 1988, so three years into starting this kind of compound at Foxcatcher, John's mother died. Hmm. And, you know, he had that super close, close, weird relationship. Backing up just a little bit, John had married at one point. Really? At the, like, insistence of his mother. He was, like, 43 years old. He married someone much younger than him. And it lasted a very short time. That poor woman. She filed for an annulment after she said he threatened her with a gun and, like, shoved her into a fireplace. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good for her getting out of that. Yes. So things really started to crumble for John after his mother died. Like, his sanity kind of started to unravel Mm -hmm. a bit to the point that he would insist that he could see Disney characters hiding 
on the property or hiding in the trees. He said that the trees would uproot themselves and march around the estate and then reroot themselves somewhere else. Oh, boy. One time he opened fire on a flock of geese because he was convinced that they were using dark magic against him. And I think one, I've heard my dad say that before. <laughs> at one time, he also removed all of the treadmills from the training facility because he became convinced that the clocks on them were taking him back in time. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, no. So just things are really yeah. unraveling here at Foxcatcher Farms. He hired security contractors to check his floorboards for secret tunnels and his walls for hidden intruders. He set up like barbed wire, like razor wire inside the walls so that people that he believed were traveling inside his walls wouldn't be able to do that. Can you imagine being one of these contractors? Right. Who's like, your job is to look in walls and yeah. see if there are people there. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I guess you'd just be like, well, he's paying me, so sure. Exactly. And it would kind of come in peaks and valleys. Like, you know, he'd seem very normal for a while. And then he'd be abusing alcohol and cocaine. And he would go off the rails. Yeah. And it didn't stop with that. Like, his his kind of mania, his, oh, fuck, I can't think of the word. (laughs) pause okay what the fuck is the word where you like are convinced that bad things are happening all the time paranoia thank you okay (laughs) um his paranoia it all crossed over into the wrestling camp he kicked out a couple of the wrestlers because they were african-american and he declared fox catcher a kkk organization whoa what yes what year was this it like the mid 80s holy shit Uh uh-huh Yeah. So one of the wrestlers said of an interaction with him, he said, I was working out in the weight room one day and John came in and pulled a gun on me and said, don't you fuck with me. I want you off the farm in a very aggressive way. I could tell he wasn't in the right state of mind. I cowered to him just enough to get him to back off. Then he left. I told local police the next day, and I went to the local courthouse to put in a report, and then I took it to the county court as well. He was definitely getting closer and closer to doing something where somebody was going to get hurt. What did the police do with this Nothing. information? Oh, because are... John's super rich. Good grief. Yeah. Nothing. Oh, that's just the friendly KKK man. Mm-hmm. Nothing was done about it. Oh. And he was right. Somebody was going to get hurt. Well, no shit. And John was going to do the hurting, I'm sure. Yep. So everybody knew that Dave was the closest person to John. John also had like a driver that he was super close to, Mm -hmm. but the driver did not interact with the wrestlers at all. Like there was some kind of like weird jealousy almost from like like the the driver and john had one relationship and Uh john and the wrestlers had a different relationship and the two did not intertwine and so people think that the driver had a lot of influence on john and his actions and his spiraling out of control okay but what everybody did know was that dave was the closest person to john he had like a calming influence over john 
And he wasn't like a yes man. He would tell John when when John would say that he saw things coming out of the wall, he saw the trees uprooting mm-hmm. themselves. He would say, there's there's nothing going on, John. It's all in your head. There's nothing going on. Wow. Yes. And that didn't send John like flying off the handle? Maybe it did. Oh. Maybe it did. A lot of people believe that it was that John had some kind of fear over the way Dave could speak to him uh-huh. that led him to take this next action. Ugh. On January 26, 1996, at 2 p.m., John DuPont grabbed a 44 Magnum and ordered his security consultant, the driver. Mm-hmm. So he was like his bodyguard slash driver, whatever. Sure. Patrick Goodale to drive him to Dave Schultz's house. So Dave Schultz lived in a house on the property, on the estate, with his wife and children. Mm-hmm. John pulled up to the house. Dave walked outside. He waved. He said, hi, boss. And DuPont pulled his gun, pointed it at his head, screamed, you got a problem with me? And open fired, killing him immediately. Oh. John, I mean, I'm sorry, Dave's wife watched the whole thing oh, happen. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Patrick, the driver, immediately leapt out of the car to go check on Dave. Dave was shot in the head. Dave sure, died he immediately. Was dead. Yeah. So as a member of like John's security team, Patrick was armed. And so he pulls out a gun and pulls it on on John Dupont. But right. John Dupont runs off. He grab drive jumps in the car, drives back to the house, and like barricades himself in oh, the mansion. Man. Oh boy. And he stays there for the next two days while 70 police officers and an entire SWAT what? team set up outside. Ugh. They tried everything they could to negotiate with him, to get him to come out of the house, um, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't, he would barely speak to him. And then, like, they had this idea. It was January mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So they turned off the heat oh. to his house. And he called them. <laughs> and he was like, it's really cold. I'm going to go need to check on the boilers. I'm going to need you guys to let me come out and do that. And they're like, yeah, of course, John, absolutely. Come on out. With your hands up. That's right. No problem. We'll just let you go check on it. No Mm -hmm. big deal. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. But of course... How dumb are When he comes out, they they arrest him. They take him into custody. Yes. So it was January 28th when he was taken into custody. He was charged with murder and assault shortly after that. And in February, the court ordered a competency examination for mm-hmm. him. That went on for months. It would be September before a judge would rule on his competency. And ultimately, Judge Patricia Jenkins ruled that John DuPont was mentally incompetent to stand trial. Wow. Yeah. And he was sent to a state psychiatric hospital for treatment. I don't know why I said, wow. I mean, the guy thought yeah. trees were uprooting themselves. Yep. So Yeah. During that time when he was being treated, he saw several psychiatrists and they diagnosed him as a paranoid schizophrenic mm-hmm. and that he had a bunch of complicated conspiracy theories involving all kinds of things from Tibetan Buddhists to the CIA to Nazis 
to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, all it was all part of his mental illness. And eventually the judge declared that because of his um, psychotic nature, their word, not mine, mm-hmm. that he was unable to help his attorneys mount a rational defense. So by this time, he's 57 years old. Mm-hmm. And so they... The judge is, like, really upset about this. So she said that he needs to go get treatment, and the prosecution is trying to move forward with a trial, and the defense is trying to move forward with a trial and get him found not guilty by reason of insanity. And she's like, hold the fucking phone here. We need to focus on getting this guy help. Yeah. Like, we don't need to be focusing on a trial right now. Wow. Yeah. And so she ordered him to continue the treatment and then there would be a hearing every 90 days to see what progress he was making and until she felt like he or the psychiatrist i mean it's not her own decision but until she got a report from psychiatrists that he was competent to stand trial then that's that's what they she would not move forward with the trial until then Wow, is this some rich people justice i'm guessing i'm very nice i enjoy it immensely so Finally, a year after the crime, so Mm -hmm. a year has passed, he's been doing like he's been getting all of this treatment. They're checking in every 90 days to see what progress he's making. He's found finally he's found competent and the trial was scheduled to begin. It took place in suburban Philadelphia and the defense didn't deny that he killed Dave Schultz. Mm-hmm. But they said that their client was insane at the time of the shooting and was suffering from severe paranoid schizophrenia. Sure. The prosecution, however, argued that DuPont did know right from wrong at the time of the shooting. And the prosecutor pointed out that the fact pointed out the fact that DuPont asked to speak to his attorney several times during the police standoff mm-hmm. and said that was evidence that he understood what was happening. What do you think about that? I, I always have such a hard time with these. Yeah. Because it's at the time that he committed the crime, mm-hmm. right? And I think yeah. afterward you can you can decide, oh, I'm in some deep shit. Yeah. I need to talk to a lawyer. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you weren't insane at the time. Yeah, I think crime. that it's very possible that he was insane the moment he went up to Dave Schultz's house and shot him in the head. And then mm-hmm. as soon as his buddy driver whatever jumps out and it's like oh my god what have you done you can snap back to reality hmm. unintentional eminem quote there. <laughs> <laughs> oops there goes gravity <laughs> no but i also think saying i need a lawyer doesn't necessarily mean that you know you've done something wrong uh-huh it can, you can just recognize that there's a situation that, like, going on it can just mean i'm surrounded by police officers yeah and i need a lawyer yeah yeah you're right yeah case closed <laughs> <laughs> so witnesses testified that john's behavior had started to change about the time of his mother's death in 1988 mm-hmm. he had become extremely security conscious and had hired a firm in 1993 to protect himself and the estate. And despite all of those extensive security measures that we talked about, he still claimed on several occasions that they were being spied on and that his life was in danger. He actually um, accused Dave Schultz of being a spy at one point. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And Dave 
just talked to him like he knew how to talk to him. Like yeah. he calmed him down. He def- diffused the situation. Yeah. Friends testified at trial. I don't know, friends, acquaintances, whatever. Yeah, People yeah. who were aware of his inner workings testified at trial about the razor wire that he had installed inside of the walls. They also testified about the about how he had hired excavators to come in and dig up the property at Fro- Foxcatcher Farm because he believed that someone had installed secret tunnels in oh his gosh. property. Yeah. And then several witnesses also talked about his increasing drug and alcohol problems between 1998 and I'm sorry, 1988 and 1995. They said that he was constantly under the influence of cocaine and alcohol, but he continued to manage the daily operations of his training facility during that time. He developed close relationships to some of the wrestlers and intense dislike of some of the others. Mm -hmm. And there seemed to be no rhyme or reason behind it. And it could change very quickly. Right. The defense presented extensive evidence that John was paranoid and schizophrenic. This evidence focused on his delusional beliefs, particularly evident in his statements during the police standoff and at his competency examinations afterwards. I guess he made multiple claims that he was Jesus Christ reincarnated. He was the Dalai Lama. He was a Russian czar. Yeah, lots of claims about who he really was. Mm -hmm. An expert witness um, said that DuPont was legally insane at the time of the shooting. But just like we always hate, experts for the prosecution said that they believed that DuPont did suffer from mental illness, but that he was not legally insane at the time of the shooting. Okay. I think that's so, so fucking hard for a jury. Yeah. You just get you just get experts up there and they say, one says, yes, he was legally insane. And, and A, B, C, and D is why. Yeah. And then you get another expert up there who's like, yes, he was mentally ill, but he wasn't insane. And E, F, G, and H are why. Yeah. That's so, so was, confusing. What was the logic? I don't know specifically okay. like what the what the varying arguments were. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But they just had these yeah. Yeah. That's so tough. Yeah. So what is it what does a jury do? If you were a juror, how do you I mean, I guess in that case, all you can do is listen to both experts' opinions and decide whose expertise you think is better, which is scary because it's like, well, what the hell do I know about yeah. mental health? Yeah, exactly. I know about my own shit, but mm-hmm. not, I mean, not someone else's. Yeah. Um, so on February 25th, 1997, the jury found him guilty. Guilty of third degree murder. Oh. And simple assault under Pennsylvania's guilty but mentally ill statutory law. So in Pennsylvania, guilty but mentally ill means that a defendant who offers a defense of insanity may be found guilty but mentally ill at trial and that that person doesn't necessarily. So. Was mentally ill at the time of the crime, but was not legally insane at the time of the crime. So that's how they found him. Yes, he was mentally ill. No, he was not legally insane. Okay. He was sentenced to? Probably not much. I mean, third degree. I don't know. Mm -hmm. 40 years in prison. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. 
That really surprises me. Mm-hmm. I agree. Wow. Yep. He actually died in prison on December 9th, 2010. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a sad, it's weird so, story. It's really a dark one. And like, so the movie Foxcatcher, if you haven't seen it, like Mm-mm. it sticks very closely to the story. Um, so Mark Schultz, um, he is played by Channing Tatum in it. His big complaint about it is the homosexual undertones, which he said did not exist, but he really felt the rest of it stuck very closely to uh-huh. the real experiences that they had there. Yeah. And it's good. Steve Carell plays John DuPont. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's a weird role for him, but he's very good in it. Well, he's great in everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never... I saw a documentary on this. Mm-hmm. I never saw that movie. Yeah. Um, it's so fascinating to me, mm-hmm. the role that money plays in oh, everything. Oh, yeah. Because you think if he just not had money... Yeah. I mean... First of all, people wouldn't have felt obligated or felt any- to get him to get him help. Right. Yeah. But also he wouldn't have been surrounded. Oh, you're exactly by right. People at all. Really. Yeah. He would have been alone. Likely. Yes. Yeah. Not yeah. to say he wouldn't. I mean, surely he would have found he, someone else to. Exactly. Kill, exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Um, he was actually super involved in philanthropy. He was a very generous donor to lots of things that he believed in. He was also a, an avid stamp collector. That's, <laughs> that's your sign that he's a weirdo right there. You think stamp collecting? That's super weird. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, why do you collect? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm not a collector of anything. Mm-hmm. You, however. What do I collect? Kitchen scales. I do. Love. Yeah, have you seen your kitchen? I have seen my kitchen. Okay, but like my collection, like uh, there was like a specific number that would fit. Uh, so I have them above my above my cabinets mm-hmm, in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. So there was like a specific number that would fit there, and I don't keep getting them now. Like it's full, and I'm done. Not like obsessive about it, but they're really You're cute. You're pretty defensive about it. Yeah, I know. I just realized that. <laughs> Uh, you used to collect frog stuff. I did collect frog stuff when I was a kid. I also collected bells. Yeah, you did. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did. You know what's weird? I was always kind of jealous of people who had collections. Because you I, weren't interested in anything. Yeah, I mean, that's how I felt. It was like somehow that that meant you had a personality. But mm-hmm. like the fact that I was not interested in collecting anything, you know. Yeah. I also, before I collected frogs, I collected Tweety Bird stuff. I was really into Tweety Bird for a hot minute when I was seven, probably. Uh huh. Uh huh. Do you remember when people would get like the Tweety Bird tattoos? Yeah, and like women would get them like on their boob. It's yeah, like it, that's it's not a weird, weird I don't, thing. Not into that. No. <laughs> no, thank you. I just have the Garfield one on my back. <laughs> Is he like in his box and he's got the blanket around him? No, no. He's like hanging onto my oh, shoulder I love blade. It. I love yeah. It. Scra- yeah. Scraping down my yeah. flesh. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Real Thank- work of art. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Dominic, for that case suggestion. I yeah. think that's deeply disturbing. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dominic. Yeah. Uh-huh. I did my nice poop story. Brandy <laughs> did one on mental illness. The mental illness, yes. It's interesting because you want, yeah, he wouldn't have had the power that he had. um, And you wonder how his mental illness would have developed if he wasn't super wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. 
And was it made worse by the fact that he was super I think wealthy? so. I kind of think so, I too. I think it totally was. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> the thing about not being super wealthy is people don't humor you for no reason. Well, that's you exactly know? it. Yeah. So you... Yeah. So you don't have the triggering behavior of like false affection and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that somebody who's super wealthy like that yeah, would have. Um, yeah. I've got some show notes if we're ready. I'm so ready. What do we got? So I wanted to talk for a minute about our April Fool's episode. Yes. It was so much fun to do. And thank yes. you to everyone who reached out to us. I mean, it seemed like people had fun and, you know, for anyone who didn't listen, Brandy had this idea that we do court cases from movies. So I did Legally Blonde. You did My Cousin Vinny, which My now, Cousin Vincent. <laughs> now I'm desperate to yes. see that movie. And I uh, I just want to want to say this is embarrassing. And for a while I decided I was not going to say it. But then I decided, you know what? I need to come clean. Uh-huh. So, you know, we had this April Fool's episode. I had it set out to, you know, go out at yeah. midnight or whatever. So I woke up the next morning on April Fool's Day uh-huh. and I was, you know, literally I was still in bed. My mind was kind of foggy. I pull up my phone yeah. and Ron reached out to us on Twitter and uh-huh. he wrote, wonderful job on the latest podcast. It was like I could see the cases play out before me. Thanks for the great podcast. <laughs> in that moment. You were like, oh my gosh, we have an amazing podcast. We are amazing podcast. You didn't get that it was a joke because we were talking about movies? Shut up, Brandy. (laughs) (laughs) So I like I forgot that we had that April Fool's thing. And I was like, wow, what a like we've never gotten a compliment like that before that like he could see the cases play out before. Man, what did we do in that episode that we can replicate? And so like an idiot, I wrote back, thank you. Uh, (laughs) And then it wasn't until later that I was like, Oh, that was that was a joke. joke. And then I was like, well, maybe other people will think I was joking when I said thank you. And now here I am. Yes. Um, spilling the beans. Pranked by my own April Fool's That's prank. That's right. Um, also, I have a correction. I know. People are pretty pissed about this, Kristen. Well, you know. <laughs> people are pretty pissed. I can't blame them. <laughs> On the episode where we told fake stories, I somehow <laughs> messed up on my fake story. Jenny on Twitter said... That was amazing. I do, however, have to point out that Elle's dog is named Bruiser, not Not Brewster. Brewster. Which I knew that. Like, why (laughs) did I mess that up? Okay. When you said it, Uh I was like, I'm pretty sure that it's Bruiser, but I was not confident enough to correct you. So I was so confident. (laughs) So those are my show notes. Um, Yeah. I've loved the feedback we've gotten on the April Fool's Day episode, which... Um, a couple of people were like, oh, this is such a funny prank you played on us putting up a fake notification about an episode. No, no, folks. It's a real episode. It's a real episode. <laughs> the cases just are fake. We put in the work. <laughs> we did the damn thing. <laughs> that was really fun. Uh, um, are you watching the act? Yes. I've not started it yet. Pretty. I need to get on it. Because I because I hate that they're releasing it. I like, do, too. It, so I wanted to get like a few so I can binge it because I'm not going to. I'm not going to want to wait. Um, I did not realize that they were putting it out like when we yeah. did it time, like yeah. there's CBS or mm-hmm. something. Um, so I watched the first two episodes and I'm like ready for the other one. Yeah. And then it's like 
next you'll watch Rick and Morty. And I was like, yeah. huh. and you're like, I don't fuck think I will. I, will. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I'm I'm really annoyed with them for making me wait a whole week. But man, the minute those episodes drop, I yeah, I drop it. I gotta get on it. And Norman, of course, is always like. This is the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. Why are we watching this before bed? Yeah. And man, sorry, dude. That's uh, that's the cost of being married to a true crime podcaster. It's the cost of uh, being married to a woman who pooped in a Bed Bath and Beyond bag. bag. You know, I'm married to a man who ripped his pants open (laughs) trying to get to a Burger King bathroom. So neither one of us should be very judgy is what I'm saying. Glass houses and all that. That's right. right, That's right. (laughs) Should we talk about our uh, our goal? We have a new goal. Yeah, we need to set a new goal. Oh shit! Yeah, we should. We need to set a new goal because we blew our two hundred out of the water. We're already at two oh six. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. All right. Next goal: two (laughs) thousand. Yeah, we never learn. We always want the next goal to be massive. What do we do? 250? Is yeah, that, 250. Is that crazy? No, I love it. Okay. 250 or bust. <laughs> Don't pop your chest at me, Kristen. You can't say the word bust to me. And, uh, I can't handle all the chest popping. Yeah, I know. Oh, you know what happened? What? Okay. So we made this great plan months ago that we were going to go see the oh, Nell oh. Donnelly musical yes. that was playing here in Kansas City. Uh, for the If you don't remember or need a refresher, Nell Donnelly was the seamstress, amazing dressmaker who had an affair with James A. Reed um, and was kidnapped, and he yeah. saved her. He came to her she rescue. She was this amazing, successful yeah. businesswoman. Yes, yeah, super, super successful. So they, somebody made a musical about her, and it was playing here in Kansas City. And we had months notice yep and we waited until the last weekend and it was sold out (laughs) what the hell what is wrong with us we were so excited to see it we were so excited i saw the billboard yes i took a picture of it i even pulled it up like when when there were tickets available and then i like didn't bother texting you about what day do you want to do it so we didn't do it yeah i'm pretty bummed about it yeah we're pretty lame Super lame. So, I mean, if you guys would like to lift our spirits over uh, missing that, you could head on over to iTunes and leave <laughs> us a rating, leave us a review, help us get to that goal of 250. Yes, please. That we just set for ourselves. And then while you're at it, head on over to our social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Reddit. We're on YouTube. Did I get them all, Kristen? You got them all. You have no idea because you've never had to say it ever. No, I was checking the boxes (laughs) in my head. And I was thinking, I've been thinking lately, we do not plug YouTube enough. But like, we're getting getting some folks on there. Get on over to our YouTube. We've got more than 100 subscribers. More than 100 subscribers. We are huge YouTube sensations. Yeah. Norman, look out. And then, uh, you know, be sure to join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. 
For this episode, I got my info from articles in The Oregonian, Time Magazine, and The Court Case itself. And I got my info from The New York Times, Time Magazine, Encyclopedia.com, and good old Wikipedia. For a full list of our sources, visit LGTCpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. 